0: Boy, don't it's, break a fucking, your stuff. it's a fucking mess. Don't Jesus. break. Any, don't break anything. I mean, to be fair, these tables—these uh the tray tables
1: aren't necessarily well balanced. I mean, they're not meant to be. They're they're not. They're, they're TV dinner. let like let's be completely fair with what they are. We have you know beverages on them. Welcome to the Dungeon Brush podcast. This is episode twelve. Yeah, twelve. We've made we've made we've made a do- we're making a dozen podcasts we've made already. A dozen, this is six months in. It feel it feels like it has not been nearly as long as six yeah. months. I mean, it's very exciting. This is
0: not a this is not a huge uh, ask for us. We uh, we just enjoy sitting down and talking D and D in general.
1: Yeah, I mean, we would be doing this anyway. We just wouldn't have. A phone pointed at us and microphones in front of our face, and in this instance, lights. We've yeah. purchased. We've purchased some lights.
0: New lights. There's red on this back wall Will for you, those of you who are yeah. viewing it via the uh, podcast services around the world. Uh, you won't be able to
1: see it in the podcast services. I mean, you can watch. There is phone it. while the podcast is playing. Yeah, it is a. It's a damn shame. The podcast services around the world, ro- the, the around the globe. Mm-hmm. Christ, I can't speak today. That's okay. Now. We're going to be talking about Call of the Nether Deep in our main topic of discussion today, as I'm sure you're aware from clicking on this podcast as it's going to be in the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some pretty decently good news items to get to today. We've got a fair few. Six items, as far as I see. These are all quite juicy, but first things first, uh, we are TikTok creators. We are. and We get comments on our TikToks a lot. We do. And uh, one in particular recently kind of... Um, it rustled my jimmies. And not in, like, the best way, but not in a bad way, per se. You know what I may? I mean, it, um, it, it moved you enough to send your linguistics
0: back to 2012. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Um, so we received a comment along the lines of, hey, I need a BBEG. Any ideas need help? And within moments, someone replied, Harvey Weinstein, barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in concept, is amazing, <laughs> horrible, <laughs> very bad guy. But the fact that that was something that was typed into the world, I, I feel like we should be proud of of providing the platform for that to be written.
0: Yes, and now we and have we have broadcast
1: it. And now we've broadcast it, and we've to spread all the great Thirty seven
0: people who may listen to this episode.
1: Now, Harvey Weinstein known rapist of people. And we should not applaud that in any way. Harvey Weinstein's a terrible person. When it comes to D&D villains, though, I I, I don't know, I'm not going to speak for you or the show. For me, I feel like most forms of villainy, pretty much all forms of villainy, should not be off-limits at the D&D table with the asterisk, very important asterisk, that your players affirmatively consent to it not passively by like whatever we can do whatever but like affirmatively agree to whatever situation you're presenting and being proactive about sensitive topics that could affect someone that you may not know is a very good thing to be for example my long-running D&D group we've got like 36 sessions under our belt mm-hmm. which is a lot consecutively of the same story in the same world with the same characters We were about, like, 15, 20 sessions in, and it wasn't a problem problem, um, but the party was having a lot of interpersonal conflict, not, like, in real life, but their characters were, so they were bickering a lot. And um, they loved it. They were enjoying it. It was fine by me. It let me sit down for, like, a half hour (laughs) and just watch them, like, yell at each other in character, and then everyone would be happy and have a good time. But... It started taking more and more time out of the game sessions and more and more, I need to go do this thing on my own because I'm so upset. It's like, all right, well, let's, let's try and rein it back a little bit. And one idea that I came up with, which is what we ultimately ended up going with, they were approaching like a a large temple for the cleric in the party and one of her like bishops effectively Was uh, a man that was abusing his power and using it to uh, manipulate the other women that were other holy women at this uh, temple that was high up in the mountains. So he didn't really, like there wasn't like a nearby town that could easily get in. Like they were up and out of the way. And he was using them to uh, assault them and rapist them, if you will. And that was one of the things that before that session started where that topic was going to be brought up and there was going to be evidence that he did that and he was going to attempt to do that with the cleric. All of that I spoiled for them before the session started being like, hey, this is; these are kind of the story beats that I'm going for. If anybody is not okay with it, I have a plan B and we'll go with plan B. And... If any of them didn't feel comfortable divulging that to the group, I told them to like take a minute and get on their phones and pretend like they're texting me. So if one of them didn't feel comfortable, they could just text it to me and everything would be good. Everyone affirmatively agreed that they were okay with it. And I gave them the leeway to at any point be like, I'm not okay with this anymore. And we'd pump the brakes and we'd move on. Mm -hmm. Fade to black, fade up from black. Assume what happened. Um, it turned into a really good roleplay moment of like the really creepy guy trying to like force himself on the cleric. And then her having like this kind of really cool, like self loving moment of being like, I'm not going to do that. And then the party rallying around what happened there and confronting him about it and became a great, uh, epic like boss fight and stuff. It was a really good time. I just want to put that out there for anyone else that is looking for villains. Don't be afraid to, to lean into some real-world horrific things, you can make it less horrific, or if your party is okay with that, just know that D and D is open to anything and everything as long as everybody involved is cool with it. I think that's a big
0: problem. the the, the big problem with a lot of things like that, um, as a uh, uh, racism is a big one, yeah. where it's the, these things are thrown at at the players without that understanding, without that consent. Exactly.
1: Um, exactly. There's a lot of touchy subjects in the world, and some subjects that you might personally not think are touchy might be touchy to others, and that's okay if you don't realize that, but you need to be willing as a DM, especially um, to be willing to change your plans on the fly and to accommodate people that are uncomfortable with a certain subject matter.
0: And I think that uh, obviously Wizards of the Coast, and as uh, also our friend the the Critical Role um, creation books, and all the other books we're starting to see coming yeah. out, do um, always you know are starting with with in the beginning having that that section that says, "Hey, this could trigger some people." Exactly, you should definitely talk to your parties about this. Yeah,
1: yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that trigger is necessarily the right term because I feel like that has a really negative connotation associated with it. Unfortunately, where, yes. But, yeah, where it, it could be a a a. I need. I, I'm. I'm. It's like a. I'm drawing a blank on the word, but there's a term for like a a something that brings up traumatic experiences and memories and feelings. A trigger. Uh, yeah, but there's another word for it that I'm not remembering right now.
0: Anywho. Anywho. Yes. Um,
1: um, some horrific people that you can make some great villains Harvey Weinstein Barbarian hilarious sorry to make this a serious thing from that funny (laughs) comment um a a a Vladimir Putin like mastermind rogue I think would be pretty cool that'd be fun um or some other horrific uh Jeffrey Dahmer a Jeffrey Dahmer um a ooh ooh a juicy smoulier bard (laughs) (laughs) A Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. The stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, that has a stat block. <laughs> it's got I, I bet I could look it up right now. There's a stat block for that.
0: Oh, I imagine sure. some 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 D and D loving creation creator also loves the Ghostbusters.
1: Ooh, the uh, the actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf. I oh, that have that has. stat block i have that stat block that's a funny stat block not very good i've seen multiple versions of it the one that i have is is definitely more focused on the trapping aspect of the of the shia labo the, mm-hmm. the shia LaBeouf. the shia LaBeouf, the shia, shia, LaBeouf. shia LaBeouf. and the uh you know the stump leg and all that just do it yeah that'd be a fun one shot <laughs> that'd be <laughs> ridiculous
0: Like that a low level or a horror themed one shot yeah
1: yeah. anyway this is the Dungeon Bros podcast I'm Connor and that's and Sam I'm Sam we've been talking for a couple minutes uh, I, we I, I person I don't know about you Sam and I, I haven't do. we haven't brought I haven't brought this up to him I'm kind of all right if we kind of lower the amount of socials call outs and stuff and yeah. just talk about what's really important look anywhere. I
0: think if people are, are listening to us at this point uh, they either know where to find us yeah. or they have a friend that's good enough yeah to include us in their lives exactly
1: exactly now of course you probably know us from tiktok we've got some cool youtube videos and youtube exclusive shorts right now we've been just doing reposts of our tiktoks on youtube but we have some youtube exclusive ones uh i've got a cool video about uh the warlock pack magic and how it sucks and i have a better way of doing it that is also a rule a variant rule in the dmg it's a good video look out look out for it it'll come soon uh, we also, uh, by the time this is posted, we're going to have up our uh, Bone Armor video, yep. talking about the Bone Armor free uh, spell pack that you made for the month of April. For the month of April. Yep. Which is a good time. Uh, we're going to Gen Con in August. That's exciting. We are We are both excited for that. Very this. excited. Gen Con 2022, it's from August 4th Fourth to, to the, the 7th. 7th. It's a Thursday to Sunday. We are going all four days. Maybe we'll go up on like Wednesday night. Don't know. Haven't Maybe. thought that far ahead. We'll we'll see when we get closer. But if any of you are going to Gen Con, please, please come and find us. We wanna like make like we wanna make some stickers to okay. hand out to people that know to us, that know us and stuff. It'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. We'll be making content. We'll have a pot we'll have a podcast that we record like at Gen Con. Yeah, we'll definitely do some TikToks. Oh That's, so many. So many. You'll be inundated. We might the week after we might just do one post a day just to like chill out (laughs) just like chill everyone out from it uh we're very excited about that uh the last last bit of two sorry two two we have two Two. i lied how dare you i'm a i'm a big fat liar you are i took i took expertise in deception i just chose not to lie in that situation um we have Hemocraft and Blood Magic, a D&D 5e compatible supplement. Yes,
0: yeah, so this project we've been working on for the past couple months now.
1: For several months. It's looking like it's going to be in the range of 35 to 40 pages of actual content that's not including like our credits page and our OGL license agreement page and all of that. Uh, we're going to have some cool cover art from a guy that we found on Fiverr. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some art that is Creative Commons that we're manipulating. Um, we have so, we've got it it won't be it won't have a ton of art no, but it's it won't got, be a a critical role or Wizards of the coast uh, level of artistic oh my gosh they're so good like the critical role artists that and even the stuff that he's gotten for like the gunslinger and stuff mm-hmm. are great uh that will not be what we have no god we are uh but the the blood magic and hemocraft it's a supplement it's got a bunch of subclasses in it related to blood magic how to use blood magic making sure as we discussed previously that your players are cool with that kind of subject matter and because there's a lot of themes of like self-harm um spells feats magic items blood rituals which is a mostly sam thing yeah it's really cool i love that an awesome bestiary bestiary ever expanding ever expanding we keep adding more things to it as time goes on uh we're reaching the point where we're putting the final little details together we have uh our friend darren who was on the previous podcast uh he's going to do like a a round of content uh like like gameplay like editing for the content of it of it and uh our friend salem is going to review some creative writing things to make sure that we're telling a good story we got some lore bits in there as well little, little, little lorry bits there Little lorry bits we're very excited it'll be our first drive-through rpg release that is not free it'll be 4.99 uh to buy we want to send out a bunch of complimentary copies so if you have a tiktok or dnd content creator that you love we're going to send out a bunch of those we're going to send out probably five or more to our fans uh most of them, over fifty percent, are going to go to members of our Discord server, which mm-hmm. you can find a link in the link tree in the bio. For we have eighty-two people there. Eighty-two people. Eighty-two people, and we have people that are trying to uh, in the in the looking for group channel. We got some people that are trying to put together a group. Be sure to re- be sure to join, respond to that, you might be able to play in some what shots with uh, what's his name Tower, Tower, and or, uh, DK, uh, DK Alexander. DK Alexander. They're awesome.
0: They're they're pushing hard and. Uh... If we had if we had more time in our lives, I would definitely play with them, but I do not.
1: Yes, agreed. Now we are like fifteen minutes into the podcast. We All should right, probably get to the let's news. Jump into the news. <laughs> we should probably get into the news. First item, top item of the day. Uh man, Wizards of the Coast. Why you got to do us like this? Uh, they announced on, the D and D at Wizards D and D Twitter teased a Spelljammer release. But it was on April Fool's Day. It was. <laughs> and they did not make it look like it was an April Fool's Day thing. They've been hinting at some Spelljammer stuff for a while. Um, they basically just posted a video that said Spelljammer confirmed. Um, <laughs> they quickly pointed out... They were quickly pointed out that uh, it was April Fool's Day when they posted it. And they got yelled at by a lot of people because they were like, Yo, don't like tease us about this. That's fucked. Um... While it shouldn't be taken as a serious confirmation that Spelljammer, there's a lot of people, even us, that speculate that there's going to be a Spelljammer uh, supplement uh, campaign setting because they're going. They've said before they're bringing back old uh, two classic campaign settings in 2022 that have not been released. There's official rules for uh, Spelljammer stuff in Waterdeep, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um. Yeah, I mean. We're getting a we're getting a spelljammer book, right? Like yeah. we can't not be getting a spelljammer book, and it just had to be poor timing on the Twitter post, right? Right. I mean, the Twitter post itself, the video, it, if you
0: watch it, uh, a hamster just floats across the screen. I mean, for twelve for nine seconds.
1: It's a good bit. It's a good bit.
0: Um, but we, that being said, uh, yeah, like. It, in previous podcasts, we've talked about some uh, tweets we've seen in the previous year of uh, what content is going to be coming up this year. And that includes a return to some old campaign settings and um, worlds of D&D, which with our last episode, we talked about the Heroes of Crin and the Dragonlance um, book that we are expecting to come out with that UA
1: Oh, the Dragonlance setting is going to be good. And I'm, Spelljammer—that I'm one.
0: Spelljammer is another one that we suspect is um, likely to come
1: out. I mean, the fans have been asking for it a lot on Twitter. Anytime they talk about new books and new campaign settings, um, I mean, with this—if if, if this literally is just an April Fool's Day prank and they don't make that abundantly clear, like there's going to be a lot of disappointed fans. Yeah, I'm not as big into Spelljammer as I would be into like a Dragonlance thing. Or like going back to like Eperon or something like that, but neat nonetheless. Item two, Sam. Item two.
0: to do Here we go. Um, a Dungeons and Dragons skirmish war game like Warhammer Warcry is coming in twenty twenty two. Um, so it looks like uh, a Dungeons and Dragons war game, skirmish war game, is going to come in Q three of this year. Uh, this is based on a tweet from Nicholas Yu's Twitter account, who is a designer. In the tweet, we saw a uh, one page which uh, described uh, the game, which would include uh, battling hor- uh, monsters and leveling up just like you do in D&D, uh, but the players will uh, control a adventuring party from some of the famous factions in the D&D world. Um, this tweet was taken down by Wizards of the Coast, but it also was retweeted by the official
1: WizKids account. So it, it, so it's unannounced. It's unannounced. It's unannounced, which is a shame. But it seems like they expect to launch in Q3 2022. It would be called Dra- Dungeons and Dragons Onslaught. I'm not a big wargamer person. I've never tried it, but it seems very intimidating to me. I know you've studied the rules of Warhammer 40K.
0: Yeah, I've looked point. into Warhammer 40K a little. I've got a couple of friends who play it, and I do like the idea of collecting the the, min- the minis are cool. Um The minis are very cool.
1: And I like the idea of of like having a small squadron that you control entirely, and it's neat that they're framing it as you have your own personal adventuring party. Um they they supposedly in this one sheet they they plan on um, supporting it with a series of uh, content releases, regular content releases, and a robust schedule of tournaments and in-store play that they want to schedule for it as well. Um, this would, if this is real, this would definitely be one of those things that would get me into Wargaming, because, I mean, it's a very easy jump to get from D&D to the D&D skirmish game.
0: I like it's kind of been a, it's it's kind of a sandwich because, uh, you know, before roleplay games tabletop roleplay games there was tabletop war games mm-hmm. and then there was tabletop roleplay games now there's tabletop roleplay war games yeah um pretty much but yeah this sounds super cool i'd be definitely down to you know we
1: were we're just at the beginning of q2 right now yeah um but so we're looking at a, a fall release fall release yeah so assuming that this is true
0: if this is true
1: that would be big that would be big it would be very big we might, we might buy it um i would say that this would definitively be the first war game to get into this household that's fair yeah 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 uh speaking of war games if you are a fan of black magic craft on youtube he's got a kickstarter coming soon i believe uh coming soon i believe a kickstarter for his um a game that he has designed which is called uh it's called idols of torment which is a cool like uh where the war of heaven and hell has uh gone. Same as sick, by the way. I'm, I'm yes. <laughs> if that wasn't if that hasn't been clear at at any point in the last twenty ish minutes. But uh idols of torment is like a a, a gods and devils, hells and heaven having a, a war and collapsing onto a plane, the plane of torment, which is just this ruined abyss of wandering souls and you have like your uh, idols uh, as basically like your little party that you control and much like in a war game, you're traveling through terrain and combating another player as well as there's an AI system for souls to be moving around and you can try you have to try and collect souls and defeat your opponent and that kind of stuff. It looks really cool. The aesthetic of it is just like gothic horror just beautiful love it um that might be the second skirmish game that we get in this house uh, when that kickstarter releases i will likely be a backer of that and hopefully get some cool minis some cool they're going swag. to they have some cool have some really beautiful uh one of the more recent black magic craft videos he showed off the beautiful like 3d sculpted minis that they have for it anyway anyway D onslaught Q3 2022. Skirmish Games. We might actually get into it, and I feel like we'll have to talk about it once it's out. Right. We might even have to play it live. We might have to play it live. We might have to. Anyway, story three we've discussed previously. AltaFox. And buying into uh, Hasbro. Uh, Hasbro has added two new directors to their board of directors, and they plan to keep Dungeons & Dragons... Uh, they plan to keep Dungeons & Dragons uh, a, as a publisher. So a quick breakdown here. As we discussed previously, AltaFox is sort of an activist investment group that goes and buys up sections of companies and then tries to affect change within the company itself. They have a 2.5% stake in Hasbro, which as we have learned rec- from recent news with uh, Elon Musk, mm-hmm. he bought, I believe it's 9.1% of Twitter. Oh, yeah which is a massive amount of Twitter because those are publicly available stock options. Most stock options of companies are owned by like the founders, the CEOs, the board of directors, that kind of stuff. So an outside entity like Alta Fox being able to get 2.5% of Hasbro is a very significant amount. Uh, they nominated five people to be on the company's board of directors earlier this year. We had a podcast where we talked a lot about that. Uh, Hasbro announced like a week ago that they were turning down the settlement offer from AltaFox Capital. Uh, their, their proposal was to add one of the two nominees that they had suggested, or one of the five nominees that they had suggested of their choice, and then um, Hasbro could pick one of the other options for themselves as well. Uh, Hasbro didn't do that. They went forward with uh, Elizabeth Hamron and Blake Yorkson, they joined the board uh, as independent directors this last month and expanded the board of director size to 13 members um they they they're both executives that have previous experience in the gaming operations technology and capital allocations industries um, Harmon is the Chief uh,
0: Operating Officer and Voice Video Text Communication at Discord, Inc. Yep. Yeah. And uh, is has experience working on Microsoft Xbox products, while Jorgensen previously served as Chief Financial Officer at the uh, vid- video game company Electronic Arts.
1: So, it's interesting. I don't know what the makeup of their board was previously, the, um, but these are two people that are definitely in the gaming industry, mm-hmm. at the very least. Maybe not the tabletop gaming industry, but in the gaming industry, which... Hasbro has kind of said that they want to move into electronic gaming. Yeah. Uh, which would make sense with these hires. Uh, it is a bit of a shame that they basically gave all to Fox, uh two middle figures and a cloud of dust yeah, for yeah. their board of director proposal and presumably their proposal to spin off Wizards of the Coast into its own entity, as we discussed previously on the podcast. Um, nothing surprising. No. But uh, it is it is a new addition to the story here. Um, Alta Fox. I don't know if they're going to keep their stake in Hasbro or try to get more and throw their weight around a little bit. Um, I don't think it will affect the D&D content itself at all. No. Uh, or the release schedule. If anything, having having some people in the gaming industry, at the very least, uh, may help with the board of directors and helping to steer the ship a little bit better for the wizards of the coast vertical mm-hmm. so not much to say about that
0: not much to say about that but it is an interesting update we we also following this closely because this is interesting to
1: us it, it, i find it fascinating yeah. personally um next another another thing that we previously discussed there's some more info on sam yes uh the dungeons
0: and dragons starter set that was accidentally leaked by Hasbro this year in a uh, in a short advertisement video on YouTube. The Dragons of Stormwreck Isle. The Dragons of Stormwreck Isle. Um, while blurry art was depicted, it appeared uh, to be, as uh, uh, reported by, in this case, comicbook.com, uh, the art
1: appears to depict what appears to be Hank the Ranger. Hank the Ranger might be one of the greatest names of any character ever. Right? Uh, Wielding his signature
0: magical energy bow, as well as Diana the Acrobat, who's leaping over a blue dragon's
1: lightning breath with her extended staff in hand. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, who the fuck are those characters? And what what iconic things are they? Well, back in the 1980s, there was a Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. Yes, there was. That featured... Hank the Ranger and Diana the Acrobat, and they these look. I mean, looking at the blurry picture zoomed in. I mean, it's them.
0: It's them. Yeah, this uh, cartoon originally aired eighteen in nineteen eighty three to nineteen eighty five on CBS and included uh, popular mechan or er, monsters from the um, game such as Beholders and Tiamat. Uh, the series only ran for twenty seven episodes, but is deeply impacted. The D and D community, as uh, there have been multiple different people people I mm-hmm. mean different med- media's reporting on the um, on the end what happened at the end of this cartoon. Yeah, ranging from, um, uh, pardon me, uh, ranging from, uh, Easter eggs hinting at uh, that they just got eaten by Tiamat, um. I thought there was another hint in here. Anyway, uh, or, and one goes on to, uh, sorry, a comic book established that Presto would become the apprentice of the Forgotten Realms character Elmizer while in Baldergate's two video game hinted that the characters were killed and eaten by Tiamat.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot, there's been a lot of pop culture references to this show, but some, some interesting things in 2000, the year 2000 uh, the Wizards of the Coast did a D, uh, DVD box set of the cartoon, and they included a full animated series handbook that gave them breakdowns of three po- with uh, three point five edition stats. But more recently, they produced a set of limited edition Magic the Gathering Secret Layers cards, which featured characters from the show, and an unofficial ending to the cartoon was provided via a car commercial. Yeah. So, there's been a lot of references to this show from the 80s, more recently. <laughs> it's There's no way that the Dragons of Stormwreck Isle is going to include the NPCs Hank the Ranger and Diana the Acrobat, right? We never, we never know. We never know. I like to imagine that this is just a fun reference on the cover. Probably is, but at the same time, Hank the Ranger. Hank, I I would be totally down for a Hank the Ranger NPC included in this. That'd so, be amazing.
0: So there's a there's a fun thing we do in in our game whenever somebody gets in flanking position, um, one of us usually me yells, "Give him the flank spank." Give him the flank spank. And if you were flanking with Hank, then you could give him the Hank flank spank.
1: The. <laughs> wow
0: uh keep in mind that this the there there's heck, nothing blank spank there is nothing officially um <laughs> been pre- announced about this product yet and this is all um, now
1: there ha- there has the, the closest we've gotten to an official announcement is basically a um like a a business in like a, an investor paper that listed the Dragons of Stormwreck Isle as existing yep so, we don't know anything about it. We talked more about the starter set in a previous episode as well. Eh, I'm probably not going to get it. But, if, it, if, if the adventure is literally about Hank, Hank the, Ranger, the Ranger, I might have to. We might have to. We might have to. Uh, next, I don't know how old our viewers are. What I know is that, me personally, I did not play the Atari
0: Twenty six hundred. Did I.
1: I didn't play on DOS PCs nope. or Amigas, nope. but back in the nineties and eighties, these games, these these consoles, consoles, if you will, I will. I mean, DOS PC was a PC <laughs> anyway. Dungeons and Dragons made video game RPGs for these old old consoles such as Curse of the Azure Bonds, Champions of Crin, and the beloved Eye of the Beholder series, which had three games in total, they are now available on Steam as a bundle. It's called the Dungeons & Dragons Gold Box Classic Collection, which includes just a deluge of D&D games that all originally launched starting in the 1980s, 1988. And they they've... They've spanned the worlds of Dark Sun to Ravenloft to Dragonlance to... It. They've got a lot of stuff included in the collector's edition or the collection includes, excuse me, Eye of the Beholder, One, Two, Three, Curse of Azure Bonds, Gateway of Savage Frontier, Hillsfar, Pool of Darkness, Pool of Radiance, Secret of the Silver Blaze, Treasure of the Savage Frontier, The Unlimited Adventures, <sighs> Dragonhack, Menzo Baranzan, Champions of Kryn, Death Knights of Kryn, Dark Queen of Kryn, Shattered Lands, Wake of the Ravager, Strahd's Possession, Stone Prophet, D&D Stronghold, Kingdom Simulator, Al-Kadim, the Genie's Curse. <sighs> so those series are... So most of them are forgotten realms collections there's a crin series which is dragonlance you've got dark sun you've got ravenloft all of them are available right now on steam uh, they had a discount for early release originally currently the steam currently on steam it costs how much Sam?
0: Uh, it was $60, but mine was advertising me for 33% off, so 37 something something. 37 something something. So $60 for the entire
1: best. $60, bundle. $60 for a collection of, what, a lot 20 of games. <laughs> old games all surrounding D&D. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with older games, but I do remember we were at a bar yep, together. A barcade, one might call it. A barcade where there was a couch, and on that couch in front of that couch. In front of that couch. There was a retro game emulator console. Yeah. And they had a couple d games there. We were playing a d and game for like an hour and a half.
0: We were not doing well because we did not know how it worked. Yeah, we
1: did not know how to play the game. <laughs> but these old... I'm personally a big fan of um, video game preservation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of old video games that no longer exist, really. Uh, at least not in a functioning capacity. Um, you may... If if you are a bit of a weeb, you may be aware of uh, Japanese mobile phone games, where very, very popular video game series had entries on those mobile phone Mm -hmm. games. The original Kingdom Hearts Coded was on a Japanese mobile phone. Uh, There was, around the time of Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, there was a game called uh, Final Fantasy VII Before Crisis, which followed the Turks. That was a mobile phone game, which we have managed to find is scraped together an emulator that's online that you can play that. But a lot of games like that aren't um, available in any capacity anymore unless you find a phone that already had it installed from the servers onto the phone, and then you buy the phone and you play it. So I always I always love initiatives like this where they're taking a bunch of really, really old games that are very, very difficult to come by, bringing it up to... If here's The great thing is if you can bring anything to Steam... From the moment that Steam was created, going forward, if it's on Steam, it's, it can last forever. Yeah. At this point, so I'm pumped about this. I think it's crazy that they even did this to begin with, and I think other companies should take cues of this. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm I think it's I think it's really cool. Uh, it also includes a number of free add-ons if you buy it, including digital versions of the original manuals, hint book, adventures, journals. And much more... I'm, I think this is cool. Here it is. For $33, the discount... Or 37 whatever, for the discount... <sighs> I don't see myself ever playing these games. But I might just get it anyway. Here's my thought. On a principled level. You know.
0: And this is something we've talked about before. And that's like, oh, you know... Someday we would, we would love to go uh, full-time content development, content creation. Oh, boy. Uh, not anytime soon. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but one of our avenues might be streaming,
1: uh, not just D and D games, but just yeah. our lives. Just, just, just to get a fucking nest camera set up and just have a twenty four seven just Big Brother our lives, yeah, pretty
0: much. Uh, no, but by <laughs> and streaming video games might be a, an avenue of of sorts, yeah. and that could be always a thing. Like we were talking about the other day, I would love to play uh, Yu Gi Oh Duelist of the Rose. Oh, yeah again yeah. and uh live streaming that might be fun
1: have you ever have you tried out the the Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel masters game that they have i made? have it yeah yeah you like it yeah it's fine i've been thinking about giving it a try anyway 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 i think it's cool i i, I love i applaud people taking their old ip bringing it forward to the modern day video game preservation tabletop gaming c- preservation as well yeah we need to scan a lot of these old books and stuff One last story, Samuel. One last
0: one. The popular Pathfinder adventure will be converted for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Paizo has announced plans to release one of its most popular Pathfinder adventures as a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition book. The 5e version of the Abomination Vaults, a mega dungeon crawler, will be released in November 2022 alongside a version made for Pathfinder 2nd edition. This marks the second time that Paizo has announced a conversion of one of its popular Pathfinder ventures for D&D 5e. The publisher previously announced plans to convert the Pathfinder 1e adventure Kingmaker to 5e as part of a Kickstarter campaign last year.
1: Uh, Abomination Vaults, originally released in 2021, it was the first of a three-part Pathfinder adventure published by Paizo. The uh, adventure charges players with delving into the Abomination Vaults located under the Baleful Gaunt Light. The Mysterious Landlocked Lighthouse. Landlocked Lighthouse. That is some alliteration right that there. That is a lot of alliteration. <laughs> the adventure was also uh, was designed for levels 1 to 10 Pathfinder characters, which coincidentally is similar in range to most D&D adventures that are published by Wizards of the Coast. Now, um, one of the lead designers at Paizo for Pathfinder is Jason Bullman. He sent out a tweet because a lot of people that are Pathfinder fans were on taking to Twitter, being very upset by this. Yes, well, Pathfinder is D and D's main competitor. Main competitor, which they're not really. The the Paizo and Wizards of the Coast have always been fairly friendly with one another, and while Wizards of the Coast Dungeons & Dragons is clearly the bigger company between the two, they're like the Coke between Coke and Pepsi. Yeah. Um. Pathfinder is still a very, very popular game. They've got a lot of amazing products, one of my most favorite things that Paizo has made—this is a bit of a sidebar—one of my most amazing—my favorite things that Paizo has made has been the um, bestiary boxes, where they have have the flat-pack standee minis that you can just buy, like, hundreds of minis of all the monsters, and there's a bunch of people I've been very tempted to as well that— that play D and D by the bestiary boxes and just use a lot of those creatures to represent other things. Yeah. Which is a great, it's a great value. If you Pathfinder is a lot, I think in that way, a little bit easier to get into just based on the, the, the cheap standee minis when standees are great. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. Anyway, going back to Jason Bowman, he sent out a tweet being like, sigh Pathfinder is not in trouble. Doing a five E version of abomination Vaults is a chance for five E folks to check out our world and stories. Pathfinder 2nd Edition is doing great, and we are excited to put out more material for it in the coming years. You just wait. We have so much more in store. I don't like people taking to Twitter with stupid internet rage for no reason. It is not a bad thing that they are making a 5e-compatible version of one of their popular adventures.
0: People are very reactionary. um, And and the article even points out that... um, Pathfinder is a a derivation of three point five with you know d and d five e um and it overtook uh the community during fourth edition yeah which was a very different game compared to uh three point five and
1: five e fourth fourth edition is the addition to d and d that wizards of the coast wants us to forget
0: <laughs> but then uh you know the uh then fifth edition came along and Dungeons and Dragons pulled back forward. It's these, these edition wars and people have we have talked about it before where we're we're very happy to encourage anybody to go find the the, the right role playing system for whatever they're trying to run. In which case, you know, if you're you know, if you're trying to do something very like horror and, and low power you know, the players, you probably don't want to do, you know, fifth Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition. Not at all. Because it gives you so much power like
1: even at level one you're mm-hmm. immensely more powerful than a lot of these systems ever let you get
0: yeah and and just in that regard pathfinder and D D 5 um e are currently just the like you said the coke and pepsi these are the generic the main ones that people are going to grab to yeah um but and and for that reason they've taken the top points at the addition wars yeah addition wars not addition wars people are not arguing over what two plus two equals fish Uh, indeed um (laughs) but yeah people are very reactionary and these two titles can exist can coexist side by side and probably will for many 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 years
1: yeah as they should pathfinder is a game that i've never played i respect it dearly Uh, i respect paizo as a company they do a lot of very consumer friendly things i'm I we probably should get some pathfinder stuff in here just to have we have we have a one
0: copy yes i was gonna say we have a copy of pathfinder munchkin
1: yeah well yeah that's the closest we've gotten <laughs> yeah i have no i have nothing against Nash. I was i was thinking about that too is like there's there's enough overlap between them that certain aspects of one can be sort of grafted onto the other especially mm-hmm. with like monster stat blocks for example Absolutely. are very easily transferable between the two anyway anyway that's the news of the day. That is the news. That is the news of the day. We're here to talk about Call of the Nether Deep. Call of the Nether Deep. Now, this is the second proper Critical Role and Wizards of the Coast partnership book, the first being The Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, which is a wonderful campaign setting book. I would argue one of the best made books. It may not be the best setting but for fifth edition, I think it's the best campaign setting book. There's a lot of content. It is very detailed. It, the art in it is beautiful. It is well laid out. The information is rich and useful and chef's kiss. Mwah. Called the nether deep is a D and D adventure book. It mm-hmm. takes your characters from levels three to 12 that you would play at. And then at the end of the adventure, you advance to level 13. A lot of these adventures start at level three. Uh, if you play if you have the explorer's guide to wildmount what i love about this there are four adventures in the explorer's guide to wildmount that take you from levels 1 to 3 mm-hmm. they're pre-written modules they're all in the back of the book and this book references one of the modules in the explorer's guide to wildmount because the location that that takes place in is close to the start of the adventure book itself so you can pick up a copy of explorer's guide to wildmount run the <sighs> is the unwelcome spirits yes run the unwelcome spirits adventure which it takes place just uh at the very west end of eastern Wynandir, which is Jorhas, and then you can move from the end of that adventure into the call of the nether deep these two books play very well together i want to i want that to be right out of the gate if you have one i would highly recommend getting the other especially if you are a fan of running pre-written modules mm-hmm. in general uh, Called the Netherdeep is laid out well. It's written similarly to the other pre-written modules. There's a lot of detail. It's broken up into six or seven core chapters of storytelling. Uh, if you are familiar with the world of Wild Mount and uh, Critical Role in general, the adventure starts you out in the city of Jigao, which they not did not ever show on no. Critical Role. Uh, it is on the northern part of Jorhas, where there is then a chapter of travel that leads you to Bazozan, which is a location that was in Campaign 2, then a teleportation event that takes you to Ankarel in Marquette, followed by some underwater stuff, and then the titular Netherdeep itself. Um, at this point, I think we should probably say, we'll be spoiling a little bit, but we're going to try not to. We're going to try not to. as We're, we're not going to avoid spoiling things if we want to talk about stuff. But at the same time, we didn't read through every single bit of this adventure beat by beat. Uh, We want to keep it fresh for ourselves if we ever end up playing it. But there's a lot of really great things that we do need to talk about. the first section of the book, I think, the running the adventure section.
0: Which is called Intro,
1: Answering the Call. The running the adventure section, I think, is so important. And... They do a really good job here. They have a flow chart that shows the level progression by chapters and what events are happening that lead to a level up. If you Obviously, this is um, advancement level up, not XP yes. level up. Yes. Um, uh, there's major sections that take place underwater toward the end of this adventure. And there's an entire cheat sheet section of how to run underwater combat mm-hmm. and uh, some details outlining that. there's this wonderful little uh, element called ruidium.
0: Wonderful's a strong word.
1: I think it's wonderful.
0: Wondrous. Apotheon. There we go. That's a wondrous. Wondrous? Wondrous.
1: It is wondrous, by definition. (laughs) Uh, The spoiler for the main villain here is a creature called Apotheon. And Apotheon has all of these chaotic emotions that infuse into the world. And the arrival of Ruidium as like an element that is affecting the planet around you is kind of the call to action of this adventure Mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, There's a lot of really cool things with Ruidium. There are specific items that are infused with Ruidium. There's drawbacks to it. It creates illness and disease. It gives exhaustion. It's dangerous to use, but the items and powers that it it benefits you with are also very powerful. Uh, The Ruidium element itself can be used as a spell component substitute much in the same way as um, residuum Residuum. in critical role where but ruidium is a bit more dangerous you'll get points of exhaustion you'll gain corruption from it which physical will inf- attribute changes which will affect your role play more than anything else the points of exhaustion are the main like mechanical things and you can get rid of those but the lingering effects are more emotional and role play heavy which i'd like mm-hmm. it gives a mechanical detriment to using these but not one that will last over many many sessions right but that's not the big draw of this book the big draw of the rifles they're on the cover hmm the the rivals mechanic can be a bit hokey from time to time
0: yes i mean rivals are presented in i believe the player's handbook definitely in xanathar's guide yes and um, tasha's i believe and Tasha. but they're very small sections yeah uh
1: there's there's also a bit of a section about developing rivals and with the uh character creation in wild mount which is a the whole uh, hero creation section in Wild Mount is very good and useful for this. There's a whole section in the uh, Call of the Netherdeep as well about how to integrate the world of Exandria from Call of the Netherdeep and Wild Mount, and they don't name it, but Tal'dorei Reborn as well mm-hmm. into this adventure module. We, uh, there was also in, uh, we had an episode on Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, which had a rival system in there as well, a whole plethora of NPCs. A whole plethora.
0: Nowhere near as detailed as the
1: five rivals presented in this book, though. Yes, Strixhaven went for a number of them that are not going to be majorly affecting the story, whereas Call of the Nether Deep, these five rivals, this rival adventuring party is an adventuring party in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, A quick rundown the the one that most people have talked about the the wonderful water genasi lady that has some orc tusks Tusks, yes is ao jabe she's a ranger they sadly a lot of people thought she was the daughter of jester and ford not my cat but jester lavore from critical role and not ford the truck company not ford the truck company he is he is built tough but uh ford stone for uh, travis and laura's characters from campaign two which is a shame. I think that would have been a cool little sly nod they could have put in there and been fine. but at the I same think, time, I think the
0: visual Easter egg is enough of a sly nod without
1: it being, yeah, overly dramatic. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I would have even been fine if it was just AO Stone or AO Lavore. and then that's all that the reference there was there. I think part of the reason they didn't is that AO as a character is described as kind of a hot-headed asshole. In a lot of ways, mm, and true. so they may not want to paint uh, Jester and Ford's child as such, like a bitch. But at the same time, we all know we all know what this is referencing. Uh, she is a ranger class yes. character. Uh, the other ones are the Goblin, which is Jermat Werder. He is a cleric. That is a uh, very closely tied to Ao. Uh, Gasariad Ardith is a wizard, a drow wizard from the Crin dynasty. Also from the Crin dynasty, Ivan... Ivan Wastewalker. Wastewalker. No. Wastewalker. No, 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 no. Not Ivan. Irwin. Irvin. Irvin. Irvin Wastewalker. Irvin which, ca- which they allude to him being from Jorhas, but he has a very German sounding name, so it seems that might be a bit of a reference to Caleb and Essek yeah. as well. Caleb being from... Oh, my God why am i such an idiot the Dwendal- from yes, Caleb the Dwendal- being from Caleb being from the Dwendalian empire a very german inspired location and then going to jorhas to be oh the cat has joined us and she is just scratch don't just scratch at it lay down just lay down, just lay down. <laughs> <laughs> you literally laid down that's that's wonderful but irvin irvin wastewalker clearly being a reference to Caleb Widogast in his relationship with Essek, who is from the Crin dynasty as well. Um, Irvin Wastewalker is not a character that was given a class. He's he, just a guy. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. With... His stat his blocks are definitely the most... Um, Simplistic. Bland, I would even go so far as to say. And hmm. then Maggie Keeneye's the ogre, which kind of has just a, 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 a more humanoid warrior ogre stat blocks as well now you might be noticing sam i am saying stat block in the plural
0: yes yes i actually enjoyed this part of what they did with these
1: yes they have three stat blocks for each of them that are for different tiers of play which is wonderful so Mm -hmm. these these characters are going to be leveling up alongside your party yeah and there's many instances where you may be asking them for help There are instances where you're going to be at odds with them. It's clear that they are going to be coming back over and over again. And you may be fighting them several times, which is just the best. (laughs) Um, The Tier 3 stat blocks specifically, they even get special equipment using these Mm -hmm. uh, Ruidium items that we've alluded to. The rivals in this book, I think, are the major selling point of this adventure that's going to differentiate it from the other... 5e adventures that are available obviously more so even though this is a a critical role book the rivals i think are the big selling point which is why they're on the cover yes there's a great session zero section as well not much to say there
0: yeah the character creation um the only thing i want to point out about the character creation is that it he puts in some notes in there to make sure to remind us that hey you know we are all at different levels of play and if somebody messes up it's cool totally fine totally fine totally fine and i think he there's a few other comments in there that are they're just like hey remember to, remember to you know not stress about this this is supposed to be fun this is supposed to be DAB. a lot
1: a lot of those descriptive note boxes are 100% from matt's matt's brain to you yeah Uh, There's a good section on what players know, which is a great sort of session zero. Here's a list of information. You can print it off and give it to your players of just background info they would know about the world, weaving in the backstories into Xandria. One of my favorite things, the pronunciation guide. The pronunciation guide. (laughs) is very useful. Very, very useful. Let's get in. Let's get into. you want to get into the beastier? You want to get into the magic items? Um, those are, those are the those are the two big things we'll be talking about. Yeah, because like from there, we've just covered chapter one.
0: The next chapters are the adventure, which, like we said, we didn't read because we don't want to spoil it for ourselves.
1: Exactly. Um, we know the overview. You go to Bazozan. You end up in Ankarel. Um, before Bazozan, there's kind of like a. a, a a traveling the road a caravan thing you get to interact with the rivals a lot mm. you stop at a you stop at a weird place with horizon back tortoise it's a whole thing yeah it's a whole thing um there was another D D adventure that had like a, a caravan section that people really didn't like i don't remember which one it is
0: lost minds of Vandelver opens with a caravan section where your party is guarding him on the way to, is guarding a, a caravan on the way to phandalin I, th- I don't think that's the
1: one because I, th- I think people like Lost Minds of Fandelware pretty well.
0: Yeah, because it's the, it's the original
1: starter yeah. set. There's another one. There's another one. I don't remember. But I do know that people were comparing that to this and how this is better. Hmm. Anyway, it's more interesting. You get to interact with your rivals, have a lot of role-play moments, interactions, maybe some fights on the side, all of that. Then Bazozan, as we discussed previously. Then to Ankarel. there's a wonderful breakdown of Ankarel. If you are watching Campaign Three at the moment, there is not a lot of information in terms of like a world map or lore or anything for Marquette. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have there's the Taldori guide, the the new version of the Taldori guide. There's all there's the Wildmount book. I look forward to a Marquette book that I would assume would come in the at the end of probably, towards
0: the end of Campaign Three.
1: I don't even I don't even know because Wildmount the Wildmount book came like halfway through Wildmount. Because they even reference episode like this book is current up till episode like That's fifty true. something in the book, so I would I would expect like the end of the year at the very least an announcement of a Marquette book
0: maybe. Know, maybe we'll not see.
1: maybe not an official D&D partnership book like Wildmount is, but maybe like a third-party one on their own. There might
0: also be some hold-off because there's been some um, some discourse in the community around there's the something. setting itself and yes. how it's being represented.
1: Yeah, the, the Marquette setting is definitely Middle Eastern-inspired, uh, Mediterranean-inspired as well. Southeast Asia, I believe. Southeast is Asia. Uh, and there's a lot of discourse about whether or not it's okay that a group of predominantly white people are telling that story. Mm-hmm. I personally think it's fine. They're being very respectful to the inspiration. Uh, it is a fantasy setting. And I'm not going to get too much more into that. Yeah.
0: We're here to talk about creatures that have been infected with Ruidium.
1: Oh my gosh. They, so cool. So the corrupted underwater creatures that they have, a good chunk of this book, two chapters, take place underwater. The Nether Deep and leading to the nether deep yeah all the way underwater and there the the picture the art the art with these stat blocks is unreal
0: i'd like to point out that there are there is multiple different types of of artistic style in the book so when it comes to the ridium based things it is very lifelike with these like very bloody looking mineral streaks basically Mm -hmm. but then when you get into like uh the the adventure art it's a little more cartoonish, it's a little more fun, it's a little more, "Hey, look what, look at these two goblins running away with a meat pie, but then there's also just a more typical D and D art when it comes to the non-ridium-based
1: yeah. characters. Yeah, it, it's definitely the the art style there is showing like a juxtaposition of this like world that exists is being invaded by and darkened by the apotheon. And the evil that it is creating into the world. The corrupted creatures are just it's gnarly. So the shark cool. is cool. There's like a flumph. There's a light devourer. There's an abalith. An entire a special ab a corrupted abalith. The abalith itself is already just like a crazy monster to begin with. <laughs> very very mental.
0: <laughs> like yeah. abalith will to be fuck like with you. Super alien squid like with a. Giant Maw of Teeth, and now you add on top of it that it thinks that it because of the gr- corruption, it thinks that it is carrying Abeloth himself. Yeah. And and has that Apotheon. Apotheon, thank you. Um it has a carrying Apotheon himself and is ready to yeah. aggress
1: because of that. It's it's cool shit. Um there's a little bit of overlap between the Call the Nether deep and wild mount. There's a Horizonback Tortoise, stat block, mm-hmm. more bounders, Gloomstalker, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of NPCs like humanoid people yeah. some uh, as well. Soul Cobalt Soul, uh, some uh, like arcane scholars. There's uh, a take on cultists as well. Um, all the stat blocks, all the humanoid stat blocks, fairly interesting, useful, uh, more unique than your sort sort of standard NPC stat blocks that yeah. you would get in a monster manual style thing. Overall, solid beastier, solid beastiary. solid beastiary. I might, I might, t- I'm probably going to reference some of these, uh, the more humanoid NPCs for my own campaigns
0: and my own. I mean, even the even the corrupted ones would be pretty fun to throw in. You know, you know, it obviously doesn't have to be from a it Yeah, be some other sort of corruption in your world. I feel like every
1: D anD D world has. A source of like viral corruption. Yeah, mine, mine, uh, mine is star scourge. Star scourge. Yours, I assume, is conduction. Yeah, that's a that's <laughs> to a, an extent. That's a drug based or whatever, issue. whatever the glom is. <laughs> He's new black. We'll get into that. Anyway, the bestiary is the bestiary. the The thing that your players are probably going to care most about are the magic items. Mm-hmm. And in the very first chapter, there's like this competition. That is, is a mostly for fun thing. Yeah. And there are medals that get handed out that are common magic items that provide small buffs and are interesting and unique. I love that. There's, a, I think, like nine of them, yes. like seven to yeah. nine of them. One seven. for each competition. That's There's good. seven of them. Seven exactly. Of them. And the medals of merit. The Medals of merit. If your characters win, if any of your players win. If any of your players win, whatever that challenge is, then you can award them this magic item as a representation of that success, which is neat. Medal of Meat Pie Eating is mm-hmm. well. Medal of Meat Pie Eating. That's that's something. Um Along the lines of the Medals of Merit, there are fragments of suffering. Kind of the opposite. Kind of the opposite. These are these take place in chapter six. I won't spoil why. Um the fragments are essentially small boons that give a buff, and in exchange, there's a detriment associated with them. There, There's nine of them. Uh, pretty much, your characters are going to have to find them to progress the story. It's some of them, at least, to progress to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. But that mentality of, for one, the mentality of, here's a benefit with a, with a drawback is at the core of our... Uh, Blood, Magic, and Hemocraft pack, which will be available for 499 and Draft3RPG. But the, in general, the idea of boons is something that is relatively unexplored in D&D 5e. There's a boons section in the DMG, but it hasn't really been expanded on in no, any meaningful it really hasn't way.
0: A lot of them are very high-level sort of things. And, yeah, just... I don't know... Uh, uh, I think that maybe they are going in a direction of instead of boons we're going to use the idea of feats or we're going to or reward feats or we're going to use the idea of magic items that are yeah. required to things I, I, like that
1: yeah i think they i think i can imagine this is a sidebar entirely as well yes. in the eventual 5.5 refresh that they're going to do so the so-called 5.5 um i wouldn't be surprised if feats have a split where there are trained slash gifted feats versus innate feats Mm -hmm. your innate feats being things like your racial feats from xanathar's like touched from like your fey touched your shadow touched from tasha's and then you're trained or 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 even like certain things like magic initiate or mage slayer your background you hunt mage like that kind of stuff and then more of your trained slash (coughs) gifted feats can be things along the lines of like you could train for like great weapon master or sharpshooter or to become more tough or be granted like eldritch adept mm-hmm. or and that kind of stuff
0: yeah
1: i'd be okay with that sidebar over sidebar oh sidebar over there's a vestige of divergence there is in this magic item list the jewel of the three par- of the three prayers jewel of the three prayers if you don't know what a Vestige is, it is essentially a magic item style that was developed by Matt Mercer. It's also not terribly original, but cool nonetheless. Uh, it first premiered in the original Taldori guide, later in Wildmount, where it became an official D&D thing, and then Taldori Reborn as well. It is a magic item that you get, and then as your character progresses in their story, in their advancement as an individual, the magic item grows in power with it. Uh, In general, the Jewel of the Three Prayers is going to give an AC boof... uh. Boof. (laughs) An AC boof. It's going to give an AC boof. It's going to give an AC boost of plus one, plus two, plus three at the Dormant, Awakened, and Exalted phases, which are the same across all of the Vestiges of Divergence. Uh, It has charges that let you do things like cast of visibility later you can allow people to re-roll failed saving throws as a reaction and conditions on yourself and conditions on yourself you can cause teleportation short range teleportation near you with your allies that create like bursts of light it's a whole th- it, it's fascinating but like your more basic things uh your ac boost it gives you better maneuverability and breathing underwater. There's a theme of a lot of these magic items giving you underwater breathing, swimming speeds, that kind of stuff, because of the section of the book that takes place underwater, most of it. Um, As far as the vestiges go, I would say it's one of the more unique ones. I don't know if I would classify it as particularly powerful compared to some of the other options. It Um, is also very... um... Thematic. It's very to this camp adventure. It is very. It, it's one hundred percent tied to the Call of the Northern Deep mm-hmm. itself. Um, I don't know where it shows up, or if your players can get it, or in what situation it arises in the story at all, because we haven't read it yeah. for that purpose. I did see. I did see it, but they do have. They do get it really, rather early on. Oh well, there you go. My personal favorite section are. The Ruidium items. Ruidium's items are very cool. They're very, very cool. There's a Ruidium ring, there's armor, shield, and a weapon. Uh, the Ruidium provides them all with the same capability to breathe underwater and mm-hmm. gain the swimming speed. The armor and the shield as well give resistance to psychic damage, which is one of the drawbacks of Ruidium. Uh, you take psychic damage whenever you gain or lose a level of exhaustion when you are corrupted by ruridium. If you wield these weapons, you are more likely than not corrupted by ruridium. Yeah. Um, That's for this reason. Yes. They they provide special powers in and yeah. of themselves. Pretty gnarly powers. Yeah. Very powerful. Um, and there's a neat little section on if certain things happen in the adventure and Ruidium is destroyed, they become regular magic items. The ring of free action, plus one armor, plus two mm-hmm. shield, plus two weapon. I, lo- I, I love these items. I love that idea of items that are more powerful than they should be, with like a little bit of a drawback. But they may not stay that way forever, because they're corrupted a bit.
0: Yeah, I also I, I like them. I do think it might be hard to implement them in a campaign where this isn't already kind of the the idea. Mm -hmm. So like if you're just in a normal campaign and it's like, oh um, you know, plus one, plus two, plus three swords are just available for a certain cost, well Yeah. Why might I take the ruidium plus one sword, even though it has this cool effect, but if every time I use the effect, it's gonna give me a possible detriment. Yeah. As opposed to in this in this, I would definitely like full on Like I'd probably prep my players with telling them like if I was running this, prep my players by telling them, hey, most other magic items aren't going to be super available to you. We're probably going to stick to what's in here and maybe some other things. Some pretty basic stuff. Some pretty basic stuff. Your bags of
1: holding, your ring of protection, that kind of stuff.
0: But yeah, but the idea is definitely you want these. Like there are going to be cool items down the road, but they, you know, will affect you. Yeah. Um, I would definitely prep them with that. Kind of same, kind of in the same way that, I assume you you looked at the you said they gave a uh, a combat underwater combat little chart. Yes, underwater combat kind of sucks most of the time. Yes, there's that's, a lot of disadvantage.
1: That's why they gave away a lot of. That's why you're you're getting underwater breathing and swimming speeds just left and right. Yeah. Um, I personally would forego the disadvantage on attacks and that's stuff. that's what I was going to say is maybe it, may, the the most the biggest detriment is if you had someone using like a crossbow or, or or a longbow or something limiting it to the short range distance but not imposing disadvantage yeah sort of so, thing. yeah with, so with, instead with underwater of
0: underwater combat being yeah. you can only use certain weapons not at disadvantage and or you can only use a short range on a crossbow yeah um that kind of sucks to play. Like ah, I rolled a really good, but it's at disadvantage always. Yeah. Um. So if I wanted to keep with those, I would encourage the players to be like, hey, you should always take tridents.
1: <laughs> yeah, tridents good. Uh, their sailor background would be good. There's a couple subclasses that are more nautical themed that are good. Um, for the majority of the adventure, they're not going to be super useful because there is a lot that takes place in cities and above ground. Um. So I wouldn't build a character with the expectation that this character is going to end up underwater eventually. Yeah, because you're going to be like level nine ten before that happens. Yeah. Anyway, those are those are the overview of the items. There's things like the teleportation tablet and some uh, like the the earring, the the message earring, like some little stuff that level of
0: breathing things we've seen yeah. seen in the past. Yeah, from um, Critical, Critical Role. Critical uh,
1: Role. There's some lovely concept art in the back there's Mm -hmm. a map we made a little funny tiktok about ripping the map out of the book and then we didn't do anything with the map yeah we don't have a frame yet so it'll it'll go up it's a beautiful map of uh it's Mm -hmm. very nice Uh, it's very very nice really cool final thoughts let's do how would you run this campaign if you were to do it
0: if i were to run this campaign i think sorry i got distracted by the fact that the book gets corrupt as you go along.
1: Oh my gosh, that is one of the coolest things about this book, is the pages as you progress from page one all the way to the end, there's these little rudium streaks that are in the uh, bottom corners, and then the further you go, the bigger they get throughout the book. So as the adventure progresses and you get closer to the big bad, the corruption around the edges of the book the, itself get bigger and redder. It, that It's really cool. <laughs> Highly recommend looking yes. at that.
0: Um, I would probably start, I would probably just start right at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Um, I would look for a group of players I'm used to, um, just because a lot of the, uh, instances of the cool things happening are going to be very RP heavy. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily want to drive somebody who's new and uncomfortable into that slot. Um, if, if I know somebody, if somebody wants to, you know, I'm not going to limit it obviously to anybody but my friends. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'd probably just run this start to start to
1: back. Yeah. I personally i I love the idea of tethering this with Wild Mount. So the wild the explorers Guide to Wildmount. They reference one of the the modules that's at the back of Wildmount. that takes you from levels one to three. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to run one of those get everyone together, get used, use the Heroes Chronicle feature in Mount to help create the characters, tie it in with Exandria really tightly. Give a lot, like, I think that integration with Exandria, the options that you get in Mount, are very, very critical to making this all work, at least to the fullest extent. Um, I also wouldn't mind running one of the adventures that they didn't suggest. They're in different parts of Mount and creating a small filler arc to travel from one to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be okay with that. You also get to go to Jagao and Jagao um, Jiga uh, and Bazo-Zan, Bazozan, which both have sections in Wildmount that have mid-tier and low-tier mm-hmm. adventure hooks in mm-hmm. them as little side quests that you can do during this adventure if you wanted to make like a more fleshed-out campaign. Uh, there's also a lot of more detailed uh descriptions of the location and maps and stuff in wild mount itself as well as a plethora of monster options magic items and some npc inspiration for some of these locations for side quests and other enriching the things that are in call of the nether deep you don't need any of that no but me being me, I would pull all of the Critical Role books and be like, how can I implement the, as much of this stuff as possible? You know, pulling pulling the Taldori Reborn off the shelf, pulling the Call of the Nether Deep, the Wild Mount, getting Tasha's and, and Xanathar's and the PHB on the table and be like, all right, we're going to spend like three hours making our characters in Session Zero and just weaving this the web <laughs> of deliciousness, you know? Right. Opposite end. If
0: you're going to create a character, knowing, let's say, let's say you get to know everything that's in the, the first chapter, the, the background and the, what kind of character are you creating for this to play as a player
1: as a player, as a player, I would want to be, I would probably want to be something like an echo Knight Okay. from Wildmount. or I would want to take one of the, ah, man, mm, probably an echo Knight. Maybe a riff on one of the Wild Mount player characters from campaign Two. <laughs> someone from like someone inconsequential from yeah. one of their, like, uh, like playing like Luke. Sure. Okay. You know, um, which would be a Veth, Seth's child. child, Luke, like an adult version of Luke. That's like an arcane trickster. Or maybe like a blade singer because he would be trained by Caleb in summer camps for learning how to do magic, but also in combat from his mother and that kind of stuff. or like a, or like the literal child of jester and, or, and Ford, or like one of um, Caduceus's siblings, mm-hmm. more younger siblings. Yeah, that that's probably how I would want to go about it. Tie something into the Crin dynasty, so your Eldritch Knight using uh, Dunamency and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, or making a play on a, a younger, lesser, important character from Campaign 2. Gotcha. Be how I'd go about it.
0: What about you? I would probably go... Um, I think it would either be... So obviously uh, the character of Apatheon is an ancient hero, mm-hmm. and so... I would either do a paladin who looks up to this ancient hero and wants to be like him, um, or possibly go with, uh, I don't know, just a warlock in this sort of scenario feels like a good idea.
1: A Paltheon warlock. Paltheon warlock. Ooh, um, along the lines of the paladin, there's Matt's uh, Oath of the Open Seas paladin, Mm -hmm. which would be, for one, useful for the underwater stuff, as well as if you're trying to... Obviously a Pathion is in the nether deep, which is like this underwater alternate dimension thing. So the themes there would jive well. There's also the um pact of Oh, the tentacle one from Tashos. Oh, Pact of the Fathomless. Yes, the Fathomless Warlock from Tasha's would work really I well. Think that,
0: now that I think about it, I think I might go with the Pact of the Fathomless.
1: That would that would be a great That'd be fun. That'd be really good. That'd be really good. You know, Sam. In our core group that we play with, you, me, Salem, Darren, mm-hmm. you run a game. I run a game. Darren runs a game. Darren runs a game. I might run this. You might run that. I might. I, I. I could. I could easily be convinced to run, call of the Netherdeep slash Wildmount with. You guys. We can talk about that offline in the future. But. Final thoughts. Of call of the Netherdeep. So we haven't really reviewed an adventure module before.
0: And kind of purposefully.
1: Yeah. It, it, I don't, for one, I don't like spoiling it for people. At least, like, the details of the story. Like, I'll give you the overview of yeah. what happens in Call of the Netherdeep. Like, you go you go here, you go there, you're fighting this bad guy, you go to this underground, the underwater thing, and you have to defeat the bad guy. Like, that's just D&D.
0: Yeah. Beyond that, we also don't, we run homebrew games very yes. much. I've tried to run adventure modules before, and I have a difficult time doing it. Yeah. That being said, I think this is very well put together, and I you know, I would probably jump at the chance to either run or
1: play in this. Now, I've, I've, I have one major homebrew campaign that I run. Uh, I have also done one of the adventure modules in Wildmount for a lot of new players that we are mm-hmm. friends with that took us from levels 1 to 3. And I started to homebrew beyond, but that kind of fell apart. It was too big of a group. It was too big of a group, and there was too little interest in D anD D. Like they were interested and happy to play, they but wanted they to it hang wasn't. out mostly, they just wanted to hang out mostly. One guy's having 25. a
0: kid now, and his yeah. wife the, you know, and his wife was also in the group. Yeah. Ah. kids—they ruin everything. They really do. Hot take.
1: That's a very lukewarm take. <laughs> lukewarm take. <laughs> lukewarm takes.
0: Here on the Dungeon Bros, we do
1: mostly lukewarm takes. Mostly lukewarm, but at the end of the day, I like this. I I could be very easily convinced to read to to run the call of the nether deep starting in wild mount mm-hmm. at level one at level one and i would very much look forward to a two and a half hour hangout with the boys or the girls hashtag the boys or the girls I one think- of my co-workers uh and my good friend michaela she's a big fan of critical role now i got her into it at the end of campaign two like right when campaign three was starting and she is fucking hooked on campaign three so i could totally see her who, she was also fairly new to mm-hmm. D&D. i could see her being into into this as well playing in this
0: all right
1: that being said that being said it is it is the time of the episode we're, we're okay we didn't do it this episode. I'm trying to be better about incorporating the questions and comments from the TikTok live during the episode. I forgot to do that this That's time. That's okay. I think so. Let's scroll. Let's give me give me some good ones from the TikTok live.
0: All right, from the TikTok live.
1: Blue Tempest Six
0: says something, and I think that I think is in Galactic Basic.
1: What? I don't even want to begin deciphering that. So we're not going to. And that's all. That's all from the Q&A. That's all. all, We didn't put out a thing that said... Oh, uh, we didn't. We didn't put out our our comment.
0: And I'm the only person in the chat
1: right now. Well, it'd be like that. Well, we do have a question from the Discord. (laughs) Yes, we have a Discord server. As we mentioned earlier, it is 82 strong and growing. This one is from Shadow Figure in the Discord. Have you ever had a bag of beans or likewise chaotic magic item the change the entire dynamic of how you thought the session would go. If so, how did it turn out? So yes, actually, um, (laughs) we have, well, in two campaigns that we've played in, there's been the, the bottles of wine that have been somewhat chaotic, Mm -hmm. but not changed the makeup of the session. I would say,
0: no, uh, we did have in one, in the one I run for you and Darren Salem and Jacob, um, we had a bag of beans come up. Yeah, we did. Uh, we do random rolls on tables in that one on from the DMG for, for loot distribution. Yeah. And we had a bag of beans come up. And the way that group plays is, hey, we have a chaotic item. like a We bag use it
1: immediately. Almost immediately. <laughs> we sit down on the beach with a fire and we use it immediately. Yep. So we we popped up in the bag of beans. It grew we grew a tree,
0: I believe. Uh no, that can not uh, the was horse- from the feather token. It was feather yeah. token. We had horses. Horses. It was what it was was you planted it and a bunch of small pink frogs started hopping around yeah. and if you touched them they turned into another animal
1: which was a horse. One of, of them sense. was a horse. Yes. One of them was there a was horse. There
0: were some goats. I believe there was a tiger at
1: one point. They disappeared as well. They disappeared after which a was minute. a damn travesty. Um but the these bottles of wine were ethereal wine yes and each of them had a small What is was it a d4 table d4 table and you would get effects that ranged from resistance to radiant damage learning a wizard cantrip getting a boost to blah 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 mm-hmm. to your hair now feels like cashmere or your skin is translucent or your legs become frog legs yeah. um very fucked <laughs> sir uh i had we we had enough that we could each get three rolls on these tables uh my wizard lucian got the cashmere hair so Mm -hmm. his hair is luxurious now uh he also got really really hairy yep shaved that and what was the last one one oh he got we got four rolls because one of them was i aged several years that's right so he went from like late 20s to early 30s (laughs) instantly hair of cashmere, overgrown hair on like his back and chest and stuff that I got one of the other characters to shave for me. <laughs> and the fourth one was um, I became more attractive. That was from the cashmere hair. That was the cashmere hair. Oh, yeah, that was the cashmere four hair. Four of you, twelve charges, it's three per. Yes. So the cashmere hair, I gave myself a uh, plus three to my sex appeal bonus. Yes. Which means uh, his total sex appeal was plus three. <laughs> his sex appeal save DC is now 11
0: 11 but yeah that's a homebrew item i've made a long time ago and uh we might might add that to a future pack we should we should we should add that to a pack
1: uh darren also had a gave it to us for his campaign it was a bit less chaotic yeah yeah he allowed lesser restorations to fix it to fix it i did not did not did not um as far as campaign the campaign that i've run Nothing too chaotic because I didn't want anything too chaotic. Um, I may have talked about this on the podcast. I don't know. But the most chaotic thing that happened wasn't something that I introduced. It was our drow rogue, Hannah. (laughs) She called Liz Wizen, whatever. Her name is Hannah. Um, she, (laughs) She goes to a brothel. Not to partake. To get a job for one which is hilarious in and of itself obviously i'm not i'm not doing that so i'm like all right we'll hire you as a janitor to clean up after the messes (laughs) that are made and she starts to see some of the prostitutes and like feels bad for them and doesn't like her job but doesn't want to subjugate them to like cleaning up all this disgusting mess so she uses a love potion that i gave her which by the way the love potion probably the chaotic item that i shouldn't have given them in the first place but i digress used a love potion on the magic shopkeeper the magic item shopkeeper to coerce him into signing a contract where he would create a magic set of brooms and broom and mop to deliver to the brothel to clean up all of the um fluids the juices the juices that was the closest i've had to complete chaos could have been
0: a Fantasia, a uh, fantasia moment
1: it it kind of was a little hmm. bit uh, they haven't been back since that contract was signed, so they didn't see the items be created, delivered, used, or the aftermath of the love potion failing, or mm-hmm. wearing off, and the contract itself. Uh, but that'll be fun to revisit in probably a couple years. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> yeah, we don't get to games all that often anymore. I understand. Which is a shame. Yeah. My work schedule sucks. Your-
0: my One of my long-running campaigns recently just kind of got back to the point where we're going to start running again because one of the people just finished grad school and one of the other guys his baby is now sleeping through the night because it's two years old
1: that's wonderful right good that's really good at this point i think that's 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 what we got that's about all that we got again we'll run through twitter youtube tiktok follow us there join the discord join the discord 82 people in there strong 80 not including us yeah go to drive rpg link in our link trees on our social medias mm-hmm. not on the podcast services around the globe nope apple google spotify plex pandora microwave ovens etc 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 um but on drive through rpg we've got a bunch of free homebrew the the april pack the bone armor pack you can check out a breakdown video of it on the youtubes currently uh, this is a pack of Sam's Designs, some cool necromancy spells. At the, and uh, at the beginning of May, we're going to be releasing the Blood, Magic, and Hemocraft pack by us for 4.99. That is going to be very chonky, like 35 to 40 pages of actual content in addition to legal disclaimers and credit pages and cover art and all and that. And so
0: not this next podcast, but the one after it, the first podcast of May. We will be discussing that
1: here. Yes, the first podcast of May is going to be our talk about our blood magic pack because i'm sure we got a lot to say we got a lot to say and if you don't want to buy it you can just listen to the podcast and write down everything we say and try and put it together. In which case, you're probably going to have to listen to the podcast multiple times. Probably. It'll, it'll, help, our, it'll help our watch time and retention, for maybe, sure.
0: Maybe send it to your best friend and have them double-check your notes. Yes. And uh, have them send it to their best friend to do the same.
1: While you do that as well, uh, first thing you should do is just write a transcript of everything, and then you can upload it to the podcast Yes, on YouTube as well, which would be very helpful. And then do that for every other one that we do for time in memoria. Yes. Uh, we have started our time
0: capsule we have we have didn't i tell you no oh we've started our time capsule shit yeah shit yeah uh, the moon and i worked on that last week
1: oh that's why i probably haven't gotten the email yet
0: you know, you He's were actually like working this past week. I've been sick. That's
1: why I've had to hang out with the moon. That's I I get that. I mean it's we all gotta take our lumps. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Gen Con. If you go to Gen, Gen, Gen Con, Con in August, August 4th to 7th, we are going to be there. Please come say hello. If you're going to be there, we will give you a sticker and a hug. Maybe a high five.
0: You can take pictures with us if you want.
1: If you want. That would be weird. <laughs> I don't know how I would react to that, but that'd be out of this world. That'd be crazy. We would love you yes big kiss virtual kiss not real kiss virtual kiss virtual kiss you can give virtual kiss to the cute jester she's curled up right now i kind of i kind of want to just vamp for a couple like tens of more minutes so that she can sleep peacefully because the moment we get up she's gonna be upset she's gonna be upset
0: we can do that i mean we got uh, four people in the chat right now yeah we're not gonna do that we're not gonna do that all right well in the meantime peace
1: Out.